Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade by, make amends, and trade addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. Football.com and a DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. I do it in my sing song voice, uh, throw back to the super flexible days because uh, I've got a super flexible reunion, I've got an FF stats reunion. Uh, back, uh, back on the super show, uh, been a long time coming to catch up with my dear friend, Addison, Amaze Hayes, Mayonnaise Hayes. Sorry. <laughs> like I, well, back when we were doing FF statistics, like I just had this long list of nicknames for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just happened in a DM, uh, the late, great James, the brain Catullus, just like a typo. He was trying to type out Amaze Hayes. <laughs> And he ended up calling you Mayonnaise Hayes, M-A-N-A-Z-E. <laughs> Apple's doing me dirty like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. I think I still have a profile picture of that, actually. Somebody <laughs> made a profile picture of Mayonnaise Hayes. It might have been Jake Anderson who did it. Um, but, man, yeah. I got to find that and bring that thing back out. But Yeah, man. I, yeah, it took on a life of its own. It just kind of became... <laughs> That was that was just you for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean now you're 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 the king of YouTube. You uh, you just pretty much live on DLF's YouTube channel, uh, but to me you're always gonna be mayonnaise. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I realize I'm over here like nodding. I'm just like mm, yes, yes, but <laughs> nobody can see the nods because you're listening. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm used to video content. I'm just like yes, yes. all right so before we go to ff statistics on this and take up the first you know 30 minutes talking about bs uh i'm i'm gonna start doing something different here on the super show i've invited you to join me uh but i'm just gonna put it out there to everybody that saquon barkley to me is a buy this offseason there's a massive bounce back coming in 2022 and I wonder if you have any action items like that for uh, for our Superflex players. Yeah, um, as soon as you said this, the first thing that came to my mind has been something that I've been preaching for, man, it seems like a couple weeks now, if not more than a month, um, on both the YouTube channel and on Twitter, is, and this is going to sound really weird considering the season that this dude just had, but you need to go out and buy Cooper Cup in Dynasty what Um, yes dude yeah there's 
And, and I don't know exactly where you fall on the spectrum, but people are literally out there saying that you need to sell yes. Cooper Cup in Dynasty, and people take that for like sell him for you know Odell Beckham Jr., his own teammate, and it's just like it's some <laughs> of the prices I've seen on Cooper Cup are absolutely insane. Obviously. You know, you know, there's every player has a price and stuff, but man, I've seen some wild Cooper Cup trades and just go out there and acquire and, and throw something at him that might sound ridiculous, but it might get done because he's 29 years old. Yeah. Uh, man, I mean, if that's the price. Yeah. But OK, so here's the thing. Like uh, this is this is something that I intend to do. On every single episode of the Super Show, just kind of throw out an action item or two for you, just so that we can say it, right up front, right at the beginning of the show, you got something actionable, something, something useful that you can go do, and then anything else that you take away from the podcast is just bonus. <laughs> but you know, if if you hate the pod, the rest of the podcast, hey, it, it, like at least we gave you something that you can that you can do, something that you can use. Uh, but we also, I also am trying to bring back your nuts. Um, not just your nuts, Addison, but like everybody's nuts. <laughs> and, but like, I feel like you kind of, that was supposed to be at the end of the show. And mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, you were kind of brought on to this episode, uh, for your nuts. Um, and then like you kind of started off with your nuts and it's just like, like you led with your nuts and it's just going to be a whole episode of your nuts the whole way through. Yeah. And it's. <laughs> Bring it on, John. Let's go. <laughs> just, I'm ready. Just flopped them on the table right there. Um, Dude, Ace is high, man. <laughs> just like, mm, you know. <laughs> Because honestly, like Cooper Cup is such a sell to me, and I like he's he's his his price tag his ADP isn't nearly as crazy as I expected. I believe he's wide receiver ten. He's wide receiver ten. Yep. Yeah. He's still like right there with Stephon Diggs and um, man, I just blank. T Higgins is like right next to him as well. Yeah. Um, but I saw like one in particular that sticks in my head all the time. Would you rather have Cooper Cup or Devonta Smith in Amon Ra? Um, man. Well, I so I'm I'm all about thrift at the wide receiver position. So <laughs> yeah, how thrifty uh, like, are you getting though? Uh, man. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. I <laughs> I think it's I think it's gonna be pretty rare that my wide receiver depth is such that uh I don't really have room for both Devonta Smith and Amon Ra. So mm. generally speaking, I think I'm gonna take those guys unless I'm I'm already set at the wide receiver position and Cooper Cup is not even a a you know a, a rubber stamp starter for me. Yeah, like what if you got like like what I can see is what if you got Amon Ra like at the back end of the second, right? You know, because mm -hmm. this this draft class kind of sucked. You got Devonta Smith in the mid first because you took him there and you were confident in him. You kind of landed into Amon Ra and you're ready to sell high on him because you're not necessarily sure on what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that's the way to go, dude. You get Cooper Cup. The dude's gonna be a freaking stud for the next three years, I think at least 29, 30, 31. Yeah, at age he's going to be fantastic, and 
people have been arguing with me. Like I got into a debate on Twitter. You're about to again, by the way, but I know Um, (laughs) YouTube in the YouTube comments. This guy said that um, we seem to pick a wide receiver every year that has like a fantastic season. Mm -hmm. And then they never really returned to that. Like uh, a couple yeah. years ago, it was Michael Thomas, you know, had his, his had his historic season last year. Stefan Diggs had just like came onto the scene out of the out of nowhere with Josh Allen. Now mm-hmm. it's Cooper Cup, um, you know, so on that basis alone, um, just because of how hard it is to kind of replicate that unless you're a perennial kind of guy like Devontae Adams or, um, you know, Tyree Kill guys are connected to amazing quarterbacks. Just sell on that and and try to, you know roll the dice again. I know that you're a big proponent of that for running backs, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel the same way. Shot. Yeah. I feel the same way at wide receiver where it like, yeah, to it, a point to, to a, to a point. I think that the, you know, first of all, I think that the, you know, the dynasty shelf life thing gets a little overplayed at wide receiver. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's not nearly as high of a priority is as people think uh but the other the other similarity there is the fact that you know and you know kind of to that that commenter's point is just the fact that you know wide receiver one just like running back one overall like they don't they don't replicate that you know so once they do it it's almost like all right so now we're selling him at his ceiling because he's he's not going to do what he just did again. The the saving grace for Cooper Cup is the fact that it seems like this dynasty community has gotten quite a bit smarter and aren't going just absolutely crazy over this historic season that Cooper Cup just had, uh, the way they did just you know two three years ago over Michael Thomas. You know we're not we're not seeing that same overreaction because his ADP still is at, at wide receiver ten so you know, where right. in theory, like he should, after the season he just had in years past, people would have bumped him up into the top three. Right. You know, and that's where I I would probably be singing a different tune if he was actually valued that way. That's where like the value yeah. difference for me is what makes him such a buy. Yeah. Is because I think one of the biggest reasons why I love him so much as well. I mean, is you just look at all the pros that he has on the LA Rams. I mean, he's in one of the best offenses in the league. They're in this freaking Super Bowl this year. Um, and they're a fantastic team. He's got a fantastic coach in Sean McVay. That offense isn't going anywhere. Um, <laughs> they now have Matthew Stafford. It's not just Jared Goff throwing him the ball. It's it's Matthew Stafford and Stafford's yeah. there to stay as well. Cup still got um, his contract uh, for the next three years of the LA Rams. And it's honestly a pretty cheap deal for the production that he's been giving the Rams as well. So that's not going away in my opinion. And, you know, 29, 30, 31, like we view that as old for a wide receiver in dynasty, but, you know, players of Cooper cups caliber and how he wins on the NFL field. Like he's not winning with speed. He's not going to, you know, lose his ability to win like a Deshaun Jackson or other like speedster types. And especially if he were to get like, you know, lower body or soft tissue uh, injuries and stuff like that's not going to hurt him as much. He much more fits with guys, you know, you think about like Adam Thielen has done it into his early 30s. Jordy Nelson did it into his early 30s. Steve Smith did it into his early 30s. Uh, we're seeing it kind of now with Keenan Allen at, you know, he's a year or two older than Cooper Cup. So, you know, that longevity is a little bit there. 
with those types of wide receivers that I really, really like. And if, you know, if there's going to be a value difference in his, you know, in his dynasty value versus the actual production that he's giving you, I'm totally in on, you know, buying into grabbing Cooper cup and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the regression is going to come, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yo, you need to go out and buy this guy because for the next three years, he's going to put up 150 and 1916. But if he drops his production down by like 40% across the board, he's still a top five wide receiver, (laughs) you know, like, like he could be a hundred for 1309. And that would, that's like what Tyreek Hill did this year. That's, you know, not too far off of what Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson did. So, you know, he's still right in there with, with hard regression Mm -hmm. coming his way that I just, I think it just makes so much sense, especially when you can move off of guys like move off of AJ Brown and, and his injury question marks, move off of DK Metcalf and his production slash Russell Wilson question marks. You know, uh, there's a bunch of wide receivers kind of in that range. Devonte Adams and kind of the same, if you can move off of him and his Aaron Rodgers new team question marks, you know, mm-hmm. just for a little bit of stability. I think that goes a long way with Cooper cups value. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, I, I, I still think you're probably buying it as ceiling. Uh, I mean, you know, talking about taking 40% of his production away. I mean, I think you lose 50% of his touchdowns right off the top. Like 16 sure. touchdowns for a slot receiver is just not even close to. I mean, he had double digits earlier. He was a top five fantasy wide receiver. He was the wide receiver two in 2019, right behind. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, or yeah, it was somewhere around in there. Yeah. First guy was in there and stuff. Yeah. But he was the, he was a top three wide receiver two years ago. Yeah. And then had the same volume uh, in 2020. He just didn't have touchdowns, but that was mm-hmm. like really bad Jared Goff. And that's why they upgraded to Matthew Stafford. So, yeah. You know, as long as Stafford's there and he's healthy and Cup's healthy, I don't really see why, where this, where the elite production, like why it would go away. And he yeah. did it with Robert Woods across from him for half the year. He did it with OBJ across from him for the other half. You know, I think even if both of them are still there, like if they re-sign OBJ and Woods is back next year after his ACL and it's all three of them, mm-hmm. you know, Cup is just, I don't know how, but he's just open every single time. And Stafford just locks in on him. So it's like, honestly, like 95 to 100 for 12 to 1300 and eight plus touchdowns, I think it's just easy bank for him. Slam dunk. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Here's here's the type of analysis. It's, it, so it's so funny. Like I end up saying this basically every week that like I'm not an analytics guy. And not only that, I just kind of as a general rule, statistical based analysis drives me kind of nuts. Uh, but I always have like I have a lot of a lot of exceptions. Uh, it's, it's funny. Maybe it's a, you know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer type of thing. But like, I've, I've got several of you guys just had Jordan McNamara on the, on the last episode. Uh, Peter Howard is, is, you know, he'll, he's, uh, he'll be on the show at some point this off season. Uh, you know, Jesse Reeves back in the mix, our, our mutual friends, he he's back at it. And, uh, I absolutely intend to talk with him here on the super show. And then of course you, I mean, you're like, you started off making a a database and then you had a database and now like you just kind of are a database. Like (laughs) it's just gonna, I just just exist as as numbers. 
<laughs> like i i just i randomly dm you all the time and be like all right so like i have no idea how to research this uh so uh like this feels like i'm a really big ask but what the hell is this number and then like five minutes later you email it to me <laughs> like <laughs> Uh, so like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're very much a numbers guy and a numbers guy who, who I respect and trust, um, not, you know, but beyond like on a personal level, like your, your analysis actually makes sense to me, uh, and, and actually works, you know, where Mm -hmm. most, most analytics driven, uh, fantasy football analysts have a have a kind of hard time with with some of that stuff. Um, yeah. But all so all that being said, like I I'm I'm constantly talking on this show about how you know like analytics, statistical analysis, like it doesn't work for me because it misses some important context sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, like I know this is something that you're gonna dislike just as much as I dislike you know, the use of averages in fantasy football, for yeah. instance. Uh, but so we've got our Super Bowl matchup set. It's uh, it's a Cincinnati Bengals. It's the LA Rams. One of these two teams is going to lose, and I'm going to project that entire offense for negative regression just across the freaking board. And it's going to uh, just because that happens every single season. Yes, I admit there's no statistical basis for this, but it freaking happens every season. It just happened yeah. to Pat Mahomes, you know, just happened to Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. So, well, I mean, you say that, but Travis Kelsey was the tight end one for the first 14 weeks of the season, finished as the tight end two right behind Mark Andrews. Tyree Kill is a top seven wide receiver mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. I mean, it didn't feel that way, right? Probably for a lot of people, but. That's where they ended up. So, <laughs> and and Pat Mahomes finished much better than than people realized too. But yeah. you know, yeah. it, like it it felt it felt much harder to pick your spots to start those guys this season than it has in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, you you got some random down games from those guys that you didn't get in previous seasons, and man, it like it just feels like that. That Super Bowl hangover really just kind of I, I don't understand the psychology behind it. I don't know why it affects these guys the way it does. But even for an offense as great as the Chiefs, they still had a relative down season. And so, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we almost have to plan for that. In my opinion, we have to plan for that based on who ends up losing this game. And what's crazy about it is we're either going it's either going to come for you know, wide receiver one overall for the season, Cooper Cup, or wide receiver one in ADP, Jamar Chase. <laughs> like one of right. these two guys is is going to it, they're they're going to get some uh, some undue uh, positive projections, in my opinion. <laughs> like people are gonna are going to try and ignore the fact that this happens every single season. And they're still gonna say, yeah, like so. If it's if it's if the Cincinnati Bengals were to win the Super Bowl, to me, like that's that that alone, like that's where the regression for Cooper Cup comes from, is the fact that he was on the losing team for the Super Bowl. 
And like I said, I know, I know that you don't like that analysis. I get mm-hmm. it, but I just, I mean, there's, there's reasons behind it for sure. I mean, number one, you're, you played more games than every, than 30 other teams in the NFL, mm-hmm. the, you know, for the previous season. So, you know, I don't know how long it takes players to fully recover, especially if you have like a, if you get hurt in the conference finals of the Super Bowl or something like that, you got to recover. Um, you know, then I remember Bill Belichick, there was like this quote that people always mentioned with him is people would text him and be like, yo, congratulations on winning the Super Bowl, you know? And he's like, thanks. He's like, it, but all it means is that we're just, you know, we're behind everybody else on getting started for the next season. Yeah. I, that, that always kind of stuck with me. Then it's just the sheer fact of how, good you have to be to make the super bowl right like yeah. you gotta make you gotta make the playoffs and then you gotta win three or four games to um you know even win the super bowl against the best teams in the league and then based on that um you know you're playing the i think you play the first thursday night right like you're the opener is mm-hmm. the the rematch right don't they plan that out like that or at I believe least the, so. the super bowl winner or something like that yeah um, so you play like the first NFL game on Thursday night. And then if you came in first in your division, which both of these teams did, then I think, I think you get first. Did. Yeah. Yep. I had to think about that for a second with the, <laughs> the <laughs> NFC both these teams came in first. So based on how NFL scheduling is, they're playing the teams that finished in first in their other divisions in the AFC and the NFC. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're playing you're you're now set up to have a much harder schedule than a lot of other teams already. So you're you're playing a lot of really good teams yep. that are probably going to be prepared for you. So yeah, there's stuff that goes into it for sure. But um yeah, I mean like I said, if he dro- if Cooper Cup drops by 40%, he's still a top 5 fantasy wide receiver and I'm not scared of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would almost invite that. I would prefer my players to finish inside the top 5. So <laughs> then, then wide receiver one overall, I, I actually agree with that. So, and again, I mean, there's, there's just that narrative involved. Like I said, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't replicate it. So yeah, give me wide receiver two, because that's repeatable wide receiver one is not. So, uh, I, I'm, I don't know if that's what you meant by it, but if it is, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. All right. So. Let's get to your next, uh, the next thing that, uh, that makes you nuts. <laughs> and I don't even know for sure if it does. Uh, like, I feel like we've talked about this before. Um, we've had to have. Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels like it's, it's come up, but I don't remember, uh, like we must not have gotten very far into it, really drilled down on it. Um, but so you did, you did an episode of, uh, of Cal Shoemake's new, uh, show on the DLF channel, YouTube channel. Um, and I can't remember the name of the show. Dynasty the show. Refinery. There you, yeah, I, I almost said that and I was like, no, that's, that's something else. Yeah. Dynasty Refinery, which is a, it, it's a really cool concept. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of shotgun style, but like shooting out a bunch of, uh, shooting down a bunch of dynasty myths. Right. Um, and it's it's super useful. I suggest you check it out. So his first his first episode, his first guest was our friend Addison here, who just like threw out a bunch of stuff that I agreed with and then <laughs> get to the concept like super flex is a concept. 
and he says it's it's not what people think it is it's uh it's a band-aid it's fixing the wrong thing and uh i felt like i just didn't know you <laughs> i was like <laughs> we were on a superflex based podcast together my friend uh-huh. <laughs> like that's uh-huh. how we both got started so uh so but then from there i mean you kind of talked about and i like i know about this you've you've kind of devised quarterback scoring uh, that makes quarterbacks, it kind of differentiates quarterbacks from one another. Right. Right. Um, which, which is something else that we can talk about. That's the part that I agree on. So, uh, you know, so maybe we should get to that first, mm-hmm. talk about the problem of quarterback scoring and how you propose to fix it. So the problem with quarterback scoring is i mean it's pretty easy uh outside of maybe one or two quarterbacks every single year the majority of all the quarterbacks like even from qb4 through like qb 17 or 18 in some years you know all aren't really that different in terms mm-hmm. of scoring you know it's very flat so and and the reason for that is because you know at the end of the season passing yard statistics aren't really all that far apart for a lot of players touchdowns really aren't that far apart for a lot of players. Um, so those two being the heaviest fantasy points, you know, the uh, effects for fantasy scoring for quarterbacks with them not being that far apart on a yearly basis, that means the fantasy points aren't going to be that far apart. And that needs to be addressed in my opinion. Mm -hmm. On top of that, Rushing for quarterback scoring, I think, is a really big issue. And I know a lot of other bigger analysts than I have agreed with that as well, that, you know, it's a problem that in fantasy football, we give quarterbacks one point for every 10 yards rushing, but only um, one point for every 25 yards passing. And that's how you see players like Jalen Hurts, Taysom Hill, um, a bunch of other rushing quarterbacks in the past, just because they run for 70 yards in a touchdown means that they're automatically top five quarterback that week. And they could they could have 75 yards and a touchdown on the ground, but then throw for 150 yards and no touchdowns. And that's better for fantasy than a quarterback that threw for like 250 and three, you know, just because of how scoring is. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Yeah. Um. So, so my scoring, I, others have done it as well, or at least have tried to address the issue. Um, I know Scott Fish was one. Uh, James Coe, a bunch of people like that have tried to address the quarterback scoring. And my scoring in particular was just incorporating a pass attempts and pass completions, um, higher penalties for interceptions, but higher rewards for touchdowns. Although it's six points, so but higher than the four point. Uh, but it's a six negative four touchdown to interception point scoring ratio. Um, I dropped down rushing yards. Um, and the reward for that, I penalized quarterbacks for getting sacked and for how much yardage they were sacked. Uh, and it just turned out to be a pretty good scoring that really differentiates quarterbacks um, in a way that normal scoring doesn't. And it also pushes up the better quarterbacks in the NFL, like the actual good quarterbacks in the NFL that we should be valuing for fantasy football and kind of brings back down all the other quarterbacks that aren't necessarily as good. Cause when your quarterback doesn't have a good game, you know, in the NFL, you're not winning that game. 
So I think, you know, if your quarterback doesn't have a good game in fantasy, you should not win your matchup or, or it should be harder for you to do so. Um, if your quarterback threw for a hundred yards and three interceptions. So <laughs> yeah. um, that's where my scoring came from. And, and Scott fish actually, you know, for the past two years now has implemented a similar scoring system into the Scott fishbowl, which is greatly, um, uh, greatly, you know, broadened the reach for how many people have been impacted by this. And are, I've at least experienced and seen it and how it works in a league because, you know, there are definitely times and I, <laughs> I felt this, I had freaking Tom Brady all year last year and he got me into the Scott fishbowl playoffs. And then that one week, that was, I think it was week 15. He put up like 200 passing yards and threw like three picks. And I had negative 10 fantasy points from him. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> and that's yeah. why, that's why I didn't advance in the playoffs is because my quarterback didn't, didn't perform. So that is yeah, which the is, main issue that needs to be addressed. Which is a very realistic outcome in, in real life. So, mm -hmm. you know, so it stands to reason like that's, that's kind of the goal for fantasy football is, is, you know, to in, at least in some ways where we can to make it mirror the real game that this game is based off of. So it makes sense. Right. Uh, you know, to do that to the quarterbacks. So I know it, uh, my fantasy, uh, my fantasy league.com. Uh, I like, I know that that one, uh, that's the platform that allows you to test the scoring. I don't know about sleeper. I don't really use sleeper. I don't use mm -hmm. the other platforms if I can okay. avoid it. Yeah. Uh, MFL is, is my favorite. No offense to, to the guys over at sleeper, but uh, I've just, I'm, I personally, I'm more comfortable with MFL. Um, and I know that you're able to test it. And I think that that's what kind of how you devised the scoring, if I remember right, but I'm curious, mm -hmm. do, do you have any leagues that use your exact scoring system? Um, no, um, mm -hmm. that's also just, uh, I don't like to join a lot of dynasty leagues. I'm <laughs> okay. I, I'm the person and I, man, I've realized this, this, this is a fantastic tip for people who get into dynasty and start to like really love it is you might join five, six, seven, ten, like Scott Connors, like in 60 dynasty leagues. Right. That's too much. That's where fantasy becomes a stock portfolio for you. Um, and I dropped talks down. about it exactly like that, Dude, by the he, way. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I can't have like, you know, I already had 30% exposure to Amon Ross, so I was prepared to drop that down a little bit. Or, or I'm like, what are you talking about? That's insane. <laughs> but I dropped down significantly over the past couple of years to the point where I'm in only a handful of redraft and dynasty leagues this year. And I like, I got back into fantasy, like how you feel every like catch, like when you're what, like not to, you know, how you get to the point where you're in so many leagues, you're like, well, it's Sunday night in this league, I need, you know, uh Alvin yeah. Kamara to be like under 16 for me to win this one but I need to be over 20 for me to win that one mm -hmm. or there's like you're finding like the sweet spot where you can win both leagues I didn't really have that this year because I just dropped in so many um to only having a handful so like I I was back in it to where I was like sweating out like every play it was awesome nice brought my love for fantasy football back up to like where I was when I was 15 <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, you can also accomplish that by the way by drafting Aaron Rodgers and Joe Mixon in every freaking league. <laughs> like it didn't work out for me this year, but I didn't have that problem where I'm sitting there like, 
all right, so what do I need here, like to win in both leagues at the same? It's it's the same thing across the board. Or yeah, I mean, I did the same thing. You could have just had Robert Woods and Allen Robinson and just had not been able to play them at all. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> then you're not even worried about it. That's always an option. <laughs> um, but yeah. anyway, I think your original question <laughs> was, do I play in any leagues? No, I don't play in any leagues that have that scoring setting. I know that um that John Bosch for the Eliminator Leagues um, for that are in association with Scott Fishbowl are actually closer. Close. They're actually closer to mine than what the actual Scott Fishbowl ones are. Yeah. Um, he didn't nerf rushing, though, so that kind of annoyed me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, yeah. yeah, you feel quarterback swings um, on, on a weekly basis in those leagues, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, and part of the problem here, I like, I assume that there are some leagues out there that do at least something like this. And I would, I would love to, to, oh, I, had a, I had a YouTube comment. This guy said that he had this exact thing that he like fixed it, but his was crazier than mine. Really? Um, yeah. Let me see if I can find it. Cause, um, we might need to talk to this guy. <laughs> this, this. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't that long. Had to have been today. Let me see if I can find it real quick. This is fantastic podcasting audio. <laughs> um, man, keep yeah. talking. I'll find it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I guess so. Where I'm going with this, because the problem is Scott Fishbowl. Uh, you don't. You can't trade, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like a twenty divisions with. <laughs> you know, five leagues per division or, you know, whatever it was. And can you imagine the people that get in um, and they, can you imagine like collusion in Scott Fishbowl? I know. Like yeah, the actual people, would, like you'd have to worry about that for sure. You for, it would, it would like, you don't even worry about it. You just accept that it's going to happen. <laughs> like, and I think that that's kind of what Scott realized and, and was like, all right, we can't have trading because like, that's for sure going to happen. Mm-hmm. So. You know, so, so anyways, point being, I mean, you, you still have roster management, you're still setting lineups. Um, so we get part of the, the, the experience there, but without trading it and then, you know, eliminators, you don't have, you don't do any roster management whatsoever. Basketball. And so kind of what I'm driving at here, like, you know, and I, I, I am still curious you know, what that scoring does, like who, you know, who rises, who drops, uh, you know, when it comes to, to their scoring, their projections, whatever it is that you're looking at when you test it on MFL, I'm curious what that looks like, but you know, when we get into value, which we're going to get to here in a second, Mm -hmm. I'm really curious how people behave when it comes to the quarterback position, when, you know, when you have that type of differentiator from player to player, um, because to me, like, I think that that's part of your issue with Superflex, mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, we'll get to that part in a second too. the quarterback values. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just curious if, if that does, if, if you know, if that has the same effect, yeah. uh, towards, towards, you know, kind of fixing that value problem, um, that, that we both recognize is there, but. I, let's let's start with production. Let's just since we're already kind of there, let's just stay there. Um, 
when when you do test this scoring like who are some guys uh, you know i i mean i th- i think like intuitively i we're all assuming that like lamar jackson takes a big hit you know, in your scoring right. setting and, and maybe he doesn't but i assume that he probably does he's not a good passer um and he's a lot of his production comes from running the ball um but like in who are some guys who get a, a fairly significant boost uh in the other direction as well uh i mean yeah lamar jackson definitely takes a hit he's not he he would not be the elite lamar jackson that we saw but he's also um a good passer in that he's really efficient as well and he yeah. doesn't turn the ball over so right. that efficiency is really good for him in the red zone um, you know, I think the the year that he had his insane year in 2019, he had like 35 touchdowns and I think single digit picks. So he was he was yeah. still up there for sure. Um, and the rushing. Sir, I mean, I can't do anything about the fact that a quarterback runs for 1200 yards and like 12 <laughs> touchdowns. So, um, you know, you can try to nerf rushing all you can for quarterback scoring. But at the end of the day, when a quarterback does that, um, it's not really going to matter all too much. Um yeah. Jalen Hurts, I think, would be a big one that would that would take a hit if you think of somebody, um, you know, kind of more in the recent scope with Lamar Jackson's injury and stuff. We didn't really get to feel his fantasy performances. Jalen Hurts, though, you know, a guy that you could literally think of as somebody who throws for like a 25 quarterback rating, but had two rushing touchdowns <laughs> and was the quarterback eight. Um it's funny sometimes like people people just reading Jalen Hurts stat lines you can still tell that they have an axe to grind. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny too cuz like Hurts was fantastic for fantasy. Like he yeah. was like a top 5 quarterback. Yeah. Uh but you dislike you know, him though, right? Like just to be clear. He's just annoying. Like how like and especially the fact too that like all that production comes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, like the Eagles are literally down like twenty four to nothing entering the fourth quarter, and then the final score is like twenty seven twenty one because Jalen Hurts had like one passing touchdown and two rushing touchdowns, and you're like, "Yeah, thanks." Um. <laughs> I have players like that too. It's it, Jalen Hurts is not one of them, but uh, I, I I have those players that just annoy the crap out of me. So like, mm-hmm. I I totally get it. And I also know that uh, you are probably in the majority <laughs> in terms of <laughs> yeah. like you're probably part of the 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 overall consensus there. So uh, so that's it's totally fair. Uh, I just always think it's funny. Like you can tell where a person stands on Jalen Hurts just by the way they read his stats. Yeah. And like that totally just happened. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like, oh, so you hate him. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like last year in week 17, oh, why'd they bench Jalen Hurts for um, whoever, Nate Sudfield or whatever? And you're like, do you not realize that Jalen Hurts was like one for seven with like 30 passing yards, like through the third quarter? Right. (laughs) Like, like, you know, there might have been reason there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, uh, on the other side, quarterbacks who get a bump obviously are the guys who are really good passers that don't run. You think about guys uh, like Kirk Cousins, like when he has a Kirk Cousins game for like 303, mm-hmm. uh, that might be quarterback 13 on the week because of rushing quarterbacks. Um, and, but in in 
my scoring system, that would be much closer to top five because of how fantastic of a game he had. You know, Derek Carr kind of is prone to those kind of games as well. Um, I actually, I did find the comment of this guy's quarterback scoring, which was slightly different than mine. Um, so he said that his is seven points for passing touchdown and negative seven for interceptions, which is oh, wow. insane. Damn. Okay. Um, he gives a point per passing first down as well as for rushing and receiving. Um, one point for 15 passing yards. So he kind of bumped that up a little bit. So now, you know, you basically get um, five or you get six or seven points for like a hundred passing yards compared to four in the normal scoring Um, rushing yards is still one for 10, but he, he argued that the rushing yardage kind of got nerfed because he bumped the passing yardage points up. So the difference wasn't as great. Mm. Um, And then um, an extra negative five points for a pick six minus two points for a sack um, minus one point for every five yards lost from a sack. Mm-hmm. Um, one point for completions or half point per completions, negative one for incompletions. Um, and he said, using this scoring, um, the top quarterbacks went Brady, Herbert, Allen, Rogers, Mahomes, Dak, Stafford, Murray, Cousins, Burrow, Hertz, Lamar. Um, Brady, Herbert, Allen, and Rogers and Mahomes were all averaging 47 points per game. Um, Damn. just because seven points per touchdown, man. I mean, it's like, yeah. <laughs> um, and he said, uh, but on the lower end of that, you know, Lamar Jackson and, and Jalen Hurts were down at 35. So there's still a 12 point per game difference between them. And they're all QB ones. Yeah. So that's pretty significant. And then he said for comparison, Jonathan Taylor and Cooper cup were both averaging 30 to 31 points per game to show you how much higher quarterbacks are scoring. Yeah. The top there. So, so is this a one quarterback or super flex league? He didn't actually say. Um, okay. I would be curious. Like I, I wish I, I didn't really um, dive into that league all too much because I am curious as you are into how actual values would unfold in a dynasty league. You know, like what, what is the trade value for, um, you know, like a, a Josh Allen in normal league versus one where the scoring is so much different. Yeah. That's something yeah. that I do want to to see happen or do myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you're the one who came up with the scoring. So, yeah, it only only seems fair. But, yeah, I, I, I am really curious how how people would behave if that was. So. Uh, all right. So are you for you? Is this scoring? Is that meant to supplement Superflex or is it meant to replace Superflex? Go back to one quarterback and just use this scoring. The the second one, latter and former always confuse me. I never know which one one to say. So the second one, yeah. Um, (laughs) So you want you want one quarterback leagues with this scoring? Yes, yeah. That that is um, that is the way to go, in my opinion, with uh, with different quarterback scoring. Because I think superflex. When you get into superflex with this kind of scoring, and and especially you know because. If you're in a 12 team league, super flex, you can start 24 quarterbacks um, every single week. But you're going to get to the point to where, you know, if you have, if you're that team with QB 20, QB 21, 
you got Jimmy Garoppolo or Matt Ryan, you're like, mm, I don't really know if I want to start one of these guys. Like you become much more willing to play a skill player in that super flex spot uh, because of how detrimental it could be if your quarterback has a bad game. So that's hmm. why I think if you just, I mean, that might be, some people might think that's way more interesting to do, but I think if you just eliminate the super flex, you just have one quarterback. Um, and then that kind of eliminates people making bad decisions, but that could be something that you want to do instead. Maybe you want people to make bad decisions. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I always, <laughs> I always <laughs> it's always, it's always so much more fun for me. Um, and, and I mean, they're, plenty of ways to make that happen in Superflex, anyways so uh so but like set this up as far as the value like just kind of explain your position on this and and by the way this is not a loaded question this is not gotcha journalism here this isn't actually journalism by the way i'm, I'm not a journalist here i'm a freaking podcast gotcha. <laughs> i don't know who needs to hear this but we're not journalists <laughs> we're just dudes talking fantasy football here um but yeah like this this isn't i i like i i think that i'm gonna i i agree with you on this but hey. uh, you're my guest so i'm gonna let you be the one to set this up and kind of explain like what it is exactly that Superflex does and you know how it goes too far how it misses the point what it, however you want to frame it uh yeah so let me see how closely i can i can basically just verbatim repeat what i said to cal um mm -hmm. <laughs> no um super the problem with Superflex is like i said it's a it's a band-aid on the real issue it's it doesn't do what people actually think it does um, it's not fixing or directly addressing the issue. The issue is quarterback scoring. The issue um, with valuing quarterbacks in fantasy football is the scoring. And you, by adding an additional quarterback, that is, to, to a lot of people, you know, obviously it's the whole like economics thing where when you increase the demand uh, while the supply stays the same, that makes those assets more valuable, right? But I I would disagree. I mean, it, it does that to a degree, um, and that is just driven by the market. But I don't think it should actually be doing that as much as people think. Like, you could, you can win just as easily in Superflex with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen as your two quarterbacks as you can with Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr and Carson Wentz, you know, and you just kind of, rotate between those guys and you can combat the elite quarterbacks pretty easily in my opinion because of the issue of quarterback scoring where the quarterbacks at the end of the day aren't scoring all that much differently from each other mm -hmm. um so that is what i think is the issue with superflex and why i have such a problem with it is because it doesn't do what people think it does although i will say you know the market has gotten to the point where they've created this world where quarterbacks are valued so freaking heavily at the top, as you can see, because you're running super flex mocks for ADP, yeah. like 10 or 11 of the first 12 picks <laughs> are quarterbacks. Yeah. But again, like you, you can kind of, you know, you know, find inconsistencies in that market as well. I would argue that people that take Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes first, because they have the one Oh one or one Oh two, and they think they're getting a leg up on the competition. 
Like that really, in my opinion, isn't all that much different than if you just waited around and you got Joe Burrow now or, yeah. you know, you know, anybody else, Matthew Stafford kind of in that in that tier of quarterbacks than instead of spending that top pick. Um, so that is my issue with quarterbacks and and super flex. Yeah. You came dangerously close to uh, describing quarterback extreme, by the way, as a strategy. Yeah. Um, the the you know the the notion of streaming quarterbacks within your roster, like that's that's kind of the bottom line. I mean, it works better the more quarterbacks you have and the more options you have. You're more likely to find somebody in a you know in a in a premium matchup. Um, so, you know, if you've got five quarterbacks and they're all healthy and no one's on by, you know, you've got, uh, you've got, you know, two shots to find the guy, the two guys in the best matchups. And, you know, even when you don't get it right, you're going to get it close enough to right that you're going to be able to create a scoring advantage and overcome whatever quarterback combo your opponent has. And not only that, you're going to create a little bit of a cushion that that's going to help you overcome other uh, at least projected deficiencies across your lineup. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's kind of where the whole thing even comes from. So, I mean, that's why I say, like, I don't disagree with you on this. I think that, in uh, you know, Jordan McNamara last week on on last week's episode kind of made the point that, you know, you still you still want to elite quarterbacks elite options one at quarterback one at super flex and then the depth doesn't really matter you kind of set it and forget it and you know uh, it, it, like he can actually he can prove that that does amount to basically four wins in a in a given season um having that combination set um of course so can. <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> <Jordan>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but, you know, and, and even but even with that being said, I feel like, you know, people kind of miss the point when when they do prioritize two quarterbacks early on in the draft and then, you know, just kind of ignore the position from there. Like you feel like you're set with your first two picks at quarterback. I still I, I, I still feel like you're going to be better off with, you know, four quarterbacks from the middle rounds and again, stream them within your roster. You know, I think, mm -hmm. I think that that's a better roster build. Uh, the problem is, I mean, you know, to get to four or five quarterbacks, like you really kind of have to start early, you know? So it becomes right. like this chicken versus the egg freaking argument of like, people think that I'm trying to, that I'm taking Pat Mahomes first overall, because, you know, I wanted, I want, I want Pat Mahomes at my quarterback every single week I'm set set it and forget it every single week. And then from there, like, what is the point of drafting four more quarterbacks? Like, why would I do that? And, uh, you know, my argument has always been like, that's not why I'm taking Pat Mahomes. I'm not taking him. Although I mean, Pat Mahomes is different. Like he's usually, he usually is the set it and forget it guy. Like he's the one guy right, right. who, who gives you, you know, top 12 numbers every single week. So, um, but you know, in anybody else, Herbert, Allen, whatever, you know, take one of those guys. I'm not taking them because I want to set it and forget it. 
I'm not wasting those points on my bench. Those guys that I'm taking, they're literally in play. I'm literally trying to decide every single week between Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill. Like, I actually do that, you know? Um, and You're then, insane. <laughs> it's Josh <laughs> Allen. <laughs> like, without even knowing uh, any other contact, without knowing who they're playing, without knowing, you It doesn't know. matter. <laughs> <laughs> You're you nuts. would have had me if you I said knew. like Ryan Tannehill and um, you know some other you know Derek Carr. You would have had me there, but yeah. Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill. That yeah, yeah. That's like man. Every week I'm really debating between Lamar Jackson or Drew Locke, and I just sometimes <laughs> I don't go that I just that extreme. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going that far, but that's because I think Drew Locke sucks. But like. I mean, if, if you want to, you know, you, they're, they're legitimately our guys that you would say, I mean, he's in like the best matchup possible. Josh Allen's in the worst matchup possible. Right. Uh, Like, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth it to, to at least consider that, you know? Yeah. And I know that like a a lot of people are going to have a hard time benching josh allen for you know uh who's a who's a justin fields for instance yeah i mean one one situation that came to my mind just to further feed your example is you know Tua plays the jets in miami in december while josh allen's up there in uh in foxborough right you know like that snow game that we saw yeah like that could that's a legitimate situation where you know your your qb three or four who on most given weeks is outside the top 15, you know, he has yeah. those ability to put, he has that ability to put up those spike week games. Right. So, yeah, exactly. I'm with you. I mean, I think more times than not, you're going to pick Josh Allen. Like, right. And, and, and <laughs> the, like, there's nothing wrong with that, but as long as you're actually like implementing process here, putting some thought into playing the freaking game that you signed up to play and put money into and said, you know what? Like, I'm going to invest this this much money into, you know, my abilities to play this game. Then play the game. Like, make mm-hmm. decisions, you know? That's mm-hmm. why it's start, start Your Studs is one of the most uh, just obnoxious things on earth to me. Because that's not playing the game. That's like you drafted your team and now you're just saying that, like, that's... That's all there is to it. Like you're going to get beat by people who are actually making roster decisions if you're doing that. So, and if we're going to play the game, let's play the freaking game all the way. Make the decision at every single spot in your lineup every single week. You know, and nobody, nobody is a rubber stamp starter. That's the way it should be. At least, you know, at at least until you find out that like nobody's going to stop Jonathan Taylor for going over 102 (laughs) touchdowns every week. Like that's Cooper cup last Cooper cup. Nobody's going to stop Cooper cup this year. So like he, he, and actually you do set to me, you do set it and forget it at wide receiver. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, I was like, I was like, I am set it and forget it at wide receiver because I don't want to care about that. I'll make my decisions elsewhere. Yeah. If I can help it, you know, if I got Mark Andrews on my team and it's just, yeah, that's going to help me out as well. I'll make my decisions at quarterback and I'll make my decisions at running back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Tight end. You usually don't do. I mean, the way I approach tight end, I end up uh, like I have to make decisions. Yeah. Because I (laughs) (laughs) the worst thing. dude. I remember Travis Kelsey. I had him in one league 
and he was on a bye. And my decisions were Jordan Aikens, Durham Smythe, or David Njoku. And I'm like, man, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, like here in in February, that feels gross. But to me, like that was real in in, like two months ago. (laughs) In in mid-November. And like, not only is that a, a real thing that people deal with every single year, like to me, that's kind of fun. Like mm-hmm. it sucks at the time when you're trying to figure it out, but if you get it right and you win because of that, like, mm-hmm. is there a better feeling in all of fantasy football than like, than finding a streamer, getting it right on their, on their blow up game? Like, yeah, that's oh, yeah. that. And and I I don't know I would just encourage people to chase that because man that's fun mm-hmm. like yeah it absolutely is that's what this whole thing is all about but uh, anyways so yeah uh, like uh, to me there's 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 just kind of this disconnect for people when it comes to superflex between you know like what what the just kind of this disconnect um, between what quarterbacks can do and what they actually do mm-hmm. i suppose you know it's mm-hmm. almost like we're just kind of expecting those first round guys and it's it's not just i mean you know pat mahomes has been throughout his career has really been pretty consistent it was a down season but you know it, it, he's he's overall been pretty consistent josh allen this season was extremely consistent Aaron Rodgers is generally pretty consistent, believe it or not. Um, that's that's why he's so awesome to me. Like he, the fact that he's one of those guys. Like he he's he gives you a top twelve week most weeks, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there's still times to even bench the great Aaron Rodgers. It's crazy it is to, as it is to say, mm-hmm. but. Like none of these guys, other than to me, Pat Mahomes is is kind of the only rubber stamp starter. And so, you know, if you're taking him, if you're taking any other quarterback in the first round, if you're taking Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert in the first round, that doesn't mean that you're just done, you know. And I and I think that that's part of where the overvaluation comes from is the idea that like you get this one guy and this is just an an atomic bomb that you get to drop on your opponent every single week. And it's like, it doesn't actually play out that way. Yeah. You know? Especially when seven or eight other guys are doing the exact same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, even when you get it wrong, you're not, you don't get it like real wrong. Like it's not, it's not catastrophically wrong. If right. you, if you did pick Tua over Josh Allen in that example, and Josh Allen still ended up somehow outscoring Tua. It's like it, it's not going to be by a lot, and it, even if you lose your matchup, that's not going to be the reason why, right? You know? So right. that that's kind of, I mean, that to me that kind of sums up value over replacement. Really, is mm-hmm. that you know the fact that these these quarterbacks are pretty interchangeable from week to week, even the top end guys. And so, like, that's the part that I agree with you on. And that's where I feel like, you know, that that overvalue that you're talking about, that's kind of where that comes from. You know, just that that notion that that Josh Allen gives you some kind of unfair advantage. And then everybody values him that way. Right, right. And, and 
I like I I just I don't think that that's that that's the solution. I don't think that that's I don't think it's the right way to play Superflex. I definitely don't think that that's what Superflex was intended to do. And and you know, so to me like I guess where I'm going with this is I do feel like Superflex is uh it it's still a better system than anything that you can do with one quarterback just because like kind of regardless of what you do to the quarterback scoring in one quarterback, the, my problem is, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Mm -hmm. Um, um, we'll try not to keep you too much longer, but, uh, to me, this is a, this is, this is we're we're finally at, you know, an hour into this thing, we're finally at the entire point of this entire meeting here. <laughs> um, th th kind of regardless of what you do to the scoring it, in in a one quarterback league, mm -hmm. you're still going to be able to overcome that with, you know, two running backs, you know, some combination of two running backs plus, you know, an, another quarterback essentially. Sure, and maybe yeah. maybe the solution is fix scoring with Superflex. Yeah. Because then that might that might change values enough to where, you know, if you have a Mahomes or a Josh Allen, then that kind of on most weeks could be a set and forget. And then you're done dropping that A bomb on on you know 80% of your league on a weekly basis. Yeah. Because you know, like I said, people have legit like you have to make legit decisions. For the majority of the league, if you're playing a quarterback in that QB two slot, you know, yeah. which might actually elevate quarterbacks to to where they should actually be valued. Yeah, hmm. maybe we yeah. found a good middle ground here, John. I like nice. <laughs> I almost wonder. I, I mean, there and from there, there's kind of a, a several different ways you can go with it. But I almost, I mean, I I would almost say that part of the solution, part of the way to fix Superflex, is to literally make quarterback score is similarly as possible like it, you know if, uh. if if it doesn't feel like pat mahomes is going to be that much better than like when you know you you and i are sitting here talking about the fact you know we've actually researched this we've actually spent time on this and we've actually seen this the fact that you know the, like the the greatness of pat mahomes again it's it's the consistency it's not the the ceiling it's the floor Right. It's the weekly floor. Well, I mean, if you take away the ceiling, maybe people start to recognize what we're already seeing and what we're already talking about, which is, you know, Tua has just as much of a floor in the right situations as Pat Mahomes, mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. But, or is, or is, you know, Josh Allen was the analogy we were using, but, um, you know, so maybe, maybe that, could be part of it that this is, but this is going to be the age old question is like, because I'm with you, the super flex goes a step too far. And that's why quarterback extreme works because we're taking advantage of a flaw in the system of, <laughs> you know, but you know, there's there. So there are, there are some flaws there. Um, I, I still think it's the better of the two systems, but yeah, it's, it's just from there. Like, what do you do to, to, you know, to, to fix it from there? Yeah, I will say, I mean, it's certainly the market has definitely made it 
a world where those higher value those higher value quarterbacks are valued so much higher you know there might not be a lot of difference between the top seven or eight quarterbacks in terms of their values but they that that group in and of themselves are valued so much higher than the two a tier right guys like that even though the production isn't necessarily so so in in a sense we have kind of pseudo created a market where that is the case it's just that you can like you said kind of expose the flaws and play the game a little bit and you can beat the system you know Mm -hmm. um so but but given all that john i have to ask you for some practical advice um because my friend wanted to know if you Say you're in a dynasty league where you had Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, and Tom Brady as your quarterbacks. Ooh, yeah. And you just lost Tom Brady. What yeah. Would you do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my friend really wanted to know and hear your opinion on that. Um, tell your friend that I saw his tweet about this exact roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I retweeted it or something like that. So that's probably how you <laughs> Yeah. <Right>. Um, <laughs> <laughs> would you would you go as far as giving up a 23 first for so for example i i know yeah. that my friend last year gave up a, a 22 first and second for Kirk cousins which yeah. ended up being the 111 and 211 unfortunately for my friend um uh, <laughs> so if if something similar were to happen like that um i always say you can't assume how a, a first in, in a year from now is going to really play out because so much can happen. Yeah. But let's say there was a 60 to 70% chance that is the 108 next year in the already like God sent 2023 class. Yeah. Would you would you do that? Would you would you go and and how high do you think you can go with that first on the quarterback list? Um I so I think that, well, the problem is like this move just kind of defines your entire off season, you know? So yeah. that's my problem with it. My friend's like, off season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. So S- Madison Shays over there <laughs> is uh yeah uh, like if it, i mean if you make that move like you're kind of going all in on 2022 essentially and then mm-hmm. you know 2023 you're you're kind of in for a, a pretty down year uh which sucks because you're not going to have a way to rebuild with a rookie class coming in that's perfect for rebuilding you know right um, so, I mean, Which I, I would... almost wonder is harder though, to try to enter that rebuild for 2023 yeah. because nobody's moving those picks. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, kind of one of the things I've been talking about so far, you know, early on here in the off season is the notion that like, you know, maybe, you, maybe you do take a productive struggle year in 2022. This is something that I have never been a proponent of. Um, but there's just such a stark con- contrast between 2022's rookie class and 2023's. At least that's, you know, everything that we're being told so far. Right. And, it, you know, it's to a point where it's it's starting to feel like you're, you're going to get a better player at 108 in 2023 than you are at 101 in 2022, you know? 
Right. So like when it, when that's the case, it almost feels like, all right, let's just like get out of 2022 altogether. Just kind of focus on having some, you know, some young wide receivers and young quarterbacks in place for 2023. And then, you know, 2023 is going to be the class that, that you actually rebuild from like 2022 is going to be a lot of bench depth probably some starters, you know, high in the draft, but even then not great ones. It's going to be a lot of just kind of stocking your bench. So like, let the contenders do that, sit out 2022. And then, you know, 2023, when you actually have high end starters coming out in the rookie class, you know, be heavily involved in that rookie draft. So Anyways, it's way, way, way in the weeds here. Uh, The problem with that, though, is everybody knows that. So, yeah, nobody's doing that. (laughs) Yeah, nobody's moving their picks. Yeah, certainly in in you know kind of industry type leagues, um, we're we're definitely running into that quite a bit. Um, But you know, in a in a more casual league where you know you don't have nearly as many people you know, really paying attention to the analysis from the Devi community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's still possible, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's becoming a tough move. And, and that's why I say, I mean, you, you almost have to take that extreme step of saying, all right, 2022, I'm not trying to compete. And I'm, I'm saying that now here in February before, you know, the 2021 NFL season is, actually over i'm already saying like i'm not being involved in this rookie draft i'm trading my 2022 picks for 2023 picks you know i'm selling off my running backs i'm i'm you know my older wide receivers (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you almost have to do like that's kind of what it takes you know and then you have to commit hard to tanking in 2022 so or in yeah in 2022 so that at the very least you can get your own pick, your own 2023 pick to the very top and take advantage of the ridiculous value that you're going to get for B. John Robinson coming in, you know, right. Or the rights to B. John Robinson, essentially. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, like that's, that's kind of what's at stake, I guess. Um, and so, I mean, I do think that you can get probably a better quarterback with a 2023 first than Mm -hmm. what you would normally get for a first round pick a year out. Um, I still don't think I would do it, though. I think I would. So, you know, one of the things that I've been talking a lot about on the podcast the last several weeks, and this is kind of based on ADP. Like you mentioned earlier, the first round is just chocked full, chock full of quarterbacks. And the second round kind of is too. And it's because a lot of people, like we see this every year, and is the closer we get to the season and the more things kind of fall into place, the more the quarterbacks get distributed throughout the first 10 rounds of the startup. And the reason for it is right now, we see, you know, what, like 20 starting NFL quarterbacks. Like mm-hmm. we know, mm-hmm. for instance, we know that Jimmy Garoppolo is likely going to be a starter somewhere. We know that your Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have a starting quarterback. 
but somehow we just can't conceptualize the idea of Jimmy Garoppolo starting for Pittsburgh, for instance, like just as, right. as an example, I'm not saying that that's who you're going to get stuck with. Honestly, dude, at this point, <laughs> I, I hope it is really, <laughs> which is probably really wild to say after that, uh, after this past weekend, Yeah, but boy, um, I don't think I, it would be a bad one. I would rather see you out there than Mason Rudolph, dude. Honestly, it's just that's true. Crap. You definitely. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it like that's a that's a great landing spot for any quarterback, and there are a lot of guys who are kind of in play. I think mm-hmm. you know, j- like Jameis Winston or Gardner Minshew. Like, there's a lot of these guys who who you know it but again we just can't quite conceptualize it we we know rationally we know that somebody's going to start a quarterback for Pittsburgh and we know that there are these players who are NFL starting quarterbacks but for some reason we still just don't we don't we can't bring ourselves to invest in Jameis Winston Jameis Winston to me is the best example of this um, we just can't quite bring ourselves to invest in him because right now he's not an NFL starter. At some point he will be. Somebody's going to make him their starting quarterback, and then his ADP is going to jump up. And not only that, it's going to drag some other guys down because it's like, okay, so now I don't have to take Derek Carr quite so early because mm-hmm. now there's one more option for me You know, a, a round or two later. And like all of those are going to fall into place. But to me, like the real move, if you need to rebuild quarterback on the fly and you still want to compete in 2022, everything else is in place, but the quarterbacks just got old and you just lost one of them. Like do the bargain bin thing, man, because, you know, like go get those guys, Jameis Winston and Garoppolo. uh, Garoppolo. Yeah. Um, You know, there's, there's a handful of other guys that you could that you could go get and i'm kind of I feel like i could even now. trade for like a late 22 first because yeah. the probability that you get a first round quarterback because we don't view this quarterback class as being great mm-hmm. you know is i feel like it's pretty high like if you have a 110 111 you know you it's possible might have a, you might have a good shot of getting an actual first round nfl quarterback it's certainly yeah it's you certainly might get lanced but you know, like if Malik right. <laughs> Willis is like a first round quarterback, you know? Yeah. Um, but like his, his bridge quarterback is going to be so freaking cheap. Oh, so, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, it's kind of worth it at that point, you know, to take a, you know, take, take the rookie, uh, uh, you know, 110. Um, it's, it, which is entirely possible. They fall that far. Mac Jones fell that far. So take the rookie and then spend a little bit for, you know, whoever it is. Terod Taylor is just kind of everybody's bridge now. So like, you know, get, get those two, you capture that quarterback position for one team for, you know, basically a late first round pick and a, you know, like a third round pick or something, whatever it takes to get that bridge guy. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's the move and, and kind of back to what, you were saying earlier about, you know, uh, uh, about the, how similarly they're going to score. Like, you know, people, people always feel like when it's time to rebuild, like I need to get to, you know, I need to solidify my quarterback position by getting those good young elite guys. 
and they end up spending they end up giving up way too much and it actually sets back your rebuild right whereas yeah get garoppolo get Minshew, you know get get all get Jameis winston just get a bunch of those dart throws super cheap you're gonna end up with plenty of guys that you can you know that you're gonna be able to stream within your roster right well Plus it gets you in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let me know what your friend does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. But it's a weird situation. Yeah. Yeah. That one's, that one is tough though. I'm, I'm running into that in a few too, but the other thing is you're probably going to get a value. They're probably going to get a value boost (laughs) for Aaron Rodgers when he changes teams too. Yeah. Or at least whenever we have clarity on his team, you know, like if he re-signs yeah. with Green Bay and Devontae Adams is there again, it's just run it back. Yeah. If he goes to Pittsburgh. Now he's throwing to Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth, you know. If he yeah. goes to Denver, now he's throwing to Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Right. If he's throwing if he goes to Carolina, now he's throwing to DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall and Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Like right. he really, <laughs> he really can't lose. Unless you went to like the Giants. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like the only, the only losing outcome is that he retires, but that's the one that people really kind of focus in on, you know, like they, they really just kind of bake that into his costs. The fact that there's a, it's a non-zero chance that he retires. I mean, he's probably not going to, but you know, and I mean, it seems like he would have by now if he was going to. So yeah. So, you know, like, but that's, that's kind of the fear and that's, what's depressing his value right now. But like, as soon as he, as soon as he's on a team for sure and committed to 2022, like his value is going to shoot back up and then, you know, then you take advantage of that value too. So yeah, there's kind of some ways to, to finesse yeah. it, I guess. But I'm- Unfortunately, there's a lot of assets on that team that are in that same boat where it's like, I need, yeah. we need to see where the ball bounces on these guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then their values are going to be adjusted from there. Yeah. That's like, that's one of the hardest parts for dynasty. But to me, it's also one of the more fun things like this, this time of year, there's just, it, it, you can, you can definitely get some things very wrong, but you can also, there's an opportunity to get, to hit some home runs super cheap right, right now, you know? Right. So, um, in, in, yeah, Winston and Garoppolo are two of my favorites as far as that goes. Uh, Jameis Winston is one of those guys that annoys me, by the way. Like <laughs> Jalen hurts for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is he a saint? <laughs> is that what you're hoping on? I, that's, that's my guess is where he's going to be. But man, like, uh, I mean, did he go back to Tampa Bay? Huh? I, I've thought about that too. I wonder if that if that's a possibility. I don't even. think he does if, if Bruce is um, still there. But it, yeah. Any one of those spots in the NFC South. Uh I mean, would you really hate it if he was in Pittsburgh? No. Dude, I mean, listen, I am so like <laughs> I would not hate any quarterback. Any, being anyone there, who's as not long Mason as it's not Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> anybody but the quarterbacks that they currently have on their roster 
yeah. I would be ecstatic about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So, so like, let's take those guys off out of the equation entirely and say it's going to be somebody else. Uh, who excites you more than I, and, and that's you know, not one of the, t- that's not Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's say those guys are not options. Who, who excites you the most? I would love to take, I would love for them to take the shot on Kenny Pickett. Um, that would be a cool one. Yeah. Instead of going the free agent route of a, of a quarterback that we've already seen, yeah. I would rather them take the shot on the rookie. Yeah. Um, and if it was my pick to see who it was, I, I mean, I feel like I could say it should be Matt Corral, but I don't think they're going to be in the, they're, in they're not going to be in range for Matt Corral. Yeah. So I think it's Kenny Pickett. I don't think Malik Willis is necessarily a fit. You know, I don't really, I don't really see the, the mobile quarterback as an option in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, it would be a cool dynamic. I just don't know if that, if that would fit. So Kenny Pickett to me, keep him in town and, um, and just see if you can get another Ben Roethlisberger, you know? Yeah. Like, I, like I'm, and again, I'm not opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo and James Winston because anything's better than what we got now. <laughs> but, but like we've already seen them, you know. Like we already know what they are. They're not Jimmy Garoppolo is not taking us to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. um, and I don't really think James Winston would either. But I don't know that about a rookie. I don't know that about Kenny Pickett. You know, yeah. could Kenny Pickett be? I don't want to say like Justin Herbert, but could he come in and deliver a Kirk Cousins type of floor? Yeah. You know? Um, and and that's where I want the Steelers to go, hopefully. Man, that one you you know, you bring in one of the the bigger quarterbacks in the class. He's got some mobility, got the big mm-hmm. arm. Yeah. And you know. He, he's from Pittsburgh. Like that, just, it makes too much sense to actually happen. Unfortunately, like, yeah. I am curious to see if he's on the board. What they will do at their yeah. pick because they have been pretty partial to local kids. Yeah, you know, they took James Conner. Um, they also got Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. They have they've gone a couple Penn State pick kids before. Um, because I, I don't know if it's because they have the most access to them or whatever, but. Yeah. Um, they, they definitely have been more partial to those kinds of, of players coming out of college. Yeah. So I am curious if they don't make any moves between now and the draft and Kenny Pickett is there at their pick, if they would actually pull the trigger or not, or if I'm going to yell at the TV, like I'm sure Panthers <laughs> and Broncos fans did last year when they passed on <laughs> Justin Fields. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that would be a cool one to, to keep an eye on. Um, but and, and even then, I think you probably still end up with a bridge guy. So again, you can capture that entire quarterback, you know, that entire starting spot in Pittsburgh. Um, mm-hmm. you get the bridge guy, you get the rookie, um, yep. you know, and I think you're set for a long time in a very good offense. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that, mm-hmm. that's the type of move that, uh, that you can make right now. And, uh, you know, start to start to kind of lay the tracks and uh, get it either kind of wrong for super cheap or hit a home run. 
You know, you can do that now. So I love that type of move. Um, we're way over time. I did. Uh, I did. You, you, you really kind of did show us, show us your nuts uh, a couple times here, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to see if you have another one for us before we get out. Uh, uh, see, I told you before the show that I had all show to think about it, but I, I didn't <laughs> but we just talked it. the whole time. Yeah. We talked the entire time. Um, yeah. I have seen people discuss the possibility that Elijah Mitchell is not legit. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's, I'm nuts in saying that I think Elijah Mitchell continues to be the guy in San Francisco. Like people, mm-hmm. people expect Trey Sermon. They're like, it's too early to call Trey Sermon a bust. You know, he's gonna, you know, Ronald Jones didn't do anything his first year. You know, uh, like AJ Dillon didn't do anything his first year. Um, and then he can come back in and stuff like that. Or they re-sign Raheem Mostert or, you know, they sign AJ Dillon or Ronald Jones in free agency. I'd, I don't I don't think it should be a hot take, but it might be a hot take to say that Elijah Mitchell just continues to be the guy in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good one. I because I do think that you're a little bit nuts. Um, and, and it's <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that it's a that it's crazy nuts, but uh, just just some some teeny tiny little nuts. Um <laughs> just because I, and it just all come always comes back to, and this is going to be the narrative that you're going to battle against till the end of time. The fact that it like Kyle Shanahan just doesn't really like to commit no. to, to one no, guy. John. No, you tweeted about this too. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he will, he will in spurts. But no, he did it for a full year in 2017 with Carlos Hyde. And then one in five years then, ago. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was <laughs> and then wanted to do that again with Raheem Mostert, but Raheem Mostert couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, he did it. Raheem Mostert had five or six games at the end of 2019, then was the guy in 2020. Every single time Raheem Mostert came back and was healthy, he was the guy. There's no question about it. Yeah, just, but he couldn't stay healthy. Before that, wasn't he like the third guy off the bench? Yeah, but I mean, they had like Tevin Coleman and Alfred Morris and Jarek McKinnon. Like, yeah, yeah. You know. I, Jeff Wilson has always been, yeah, one of his his teacher's pets. Guys, it, yeah. I but don't know, man. All all I saw this year was every single game Elijah Mitchell was healthy for. He got like 95 to a hundred percent of the running back workload. Yeah. Debo Samuel is a different animal. I don't really know what to do with the whole like Debo Samuel getting 12 carries out of the backfield thing. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that's least, real, by the way, that's, yeah, I know that was so, that's so weird. Um, yeah. I would really hope that he's not some sort of like Cordell Patterson, like fantasy you know, vulture for Elijah Mitchell, but within the position group for running back, every single time Elijah Mitchell was healthy, he got, he was the guy like nobody else was getting rush attempts. Jamichael Hasty gets like one target and that's the game log for the Niners. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I say, I, I only think you're a little bit nuts. There's, there's definitely, 
if he survive if he survives the offseason, you know, the the only real threat is returning Raheem Mostert. Who I, I don't know. And I, I want to say I he's a free agent. That, I, Mostert and Wilson are both free agents. Yeah. So the Niners are going to add somebody. And yeah. I'm preparing for the storm for when they add somebody. It could it could be like freaking like Wendell Smallwood. And they're like, oh my gosh, Kyle Shanahan's gonna do it again. You know, Elijah <laughs> Mitchell job's not safe. Um, yeah. I, if it's like Rashad Penny or Ronald Jones or Melvin Gordon. I'm I'm concerned, you know, right. but like if it's if it's some like depth guy, like, come on, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And, and and be prepared for the same thing to happen with Javante Williams as well, uh, because the I'm sure, you know, the Broncos current depth chart behind Javante Williams is like Demoria Crockett. So yeah. <laughs> and Mike Boone, I love Mike Boone. Oh, Mike yeah, Boone. It's, it's still. Yeah. yeah. So when they sign somebody or draft somebody in round four or five, you know, yeah. people are going to make a big deal about it. But yeah, what I mean, what they're probably going to do is resign Melvin Gordon. And that's a legit thing to, for us to freak mm. out about. <laughs> oh, that should have been my freaking hot take. I've been saying that all like, I feel like I've been saying that for months as well is that Melvin Gordon is going to be back and you're not going to be happy with Javante Williams next year. If you paid, you know, if you yeah. if you've been paying RB three prices for him, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, as long as Melvin Gordon's there under contract and you know still upright, there's absolutely no reason not to drop a bunch of volume on him. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's like gross. You remember back in like the Oakland Raider days when they had Michael Crabtree, but then they drafted Amari Cooper, and everybody yeah. was like. Amari had like two straight thousand yard seasons to start his career. And everybody was like, they, they, I, I remember people had Amari Cooper as the wide receiver one in dynasty in like 2016. Mm-hmm. And that was all pure speculation on the fact that this is the year that he breaks out. This is the year that he finally separates himself from Michael Crabtree. Yeah. Meanwhile, Michael Crabtree is just like, doing his thing getting like 80 for a thousand and six and you're like you know but he's like wide receiver 15 dynasty and amari cooper's doing the same thing at wide receiver one right you know that's how i feel about javante melvin gordon (laughs) (laughs) man don't don't you put that on us ricky ricky bobby well i mean it it is a little easier for running backs because the problem is you know amari cooper being on the field doesn't necessitate michael crabtree coming off the field right whereas you know javante williams is is really kind of the cream rising to the top and you know the more volume that you that he commands like he's he necessarily takes that away from melvin gordon so we do have that going for us but Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's also just me trying to put a positive spin on this because (laughs) i like i think I think you're right. That wouldn't have been that nuts to say, yeah, Melvin Gordon's probably back in Denver and it probably hurts Javante Williams. That's that feels like a toss up at at, at best. <laughs> yeah. That feels yeah. that feels fairly likely. Um yeah, Elijah Mitchell though, like there I I still think I think that he has to survive the offseason. And mm-hmm. I don't that's the part that I say that's where I say you're a little nuts. Um, I don't, I don't know that they're 
that they're going to just add some, you know, some of those depth guys just yeah. in case he stays because they never do that. They always bring in guys that they intend to use, you know. It's yeah. frust it's frustrating, but um but we'll see. I mean, that's that's still it's it's something to hope for, and it's it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. I like Listen, that one. Man, if Miles Gaskins can survive last offseason, Elijah Mitchell <laughs> can survive it this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, let's hope it's not another Miles Gaskin. <laughs> I don't I don't think it is. Oh god, I hope it's not. Oh, I, just, I really wish I didn't say that. Oh, You're man. just just jinxing the hell out of everyone right now. Damn it. <laughs> if we had a live audience they'd be booing you off right now but <laughs> since we don't uh i would gladly just keep talking football with you forever mm-hmm. um but uh i want to respect your time and i want to respect the the time of those who uh listen to this entire podcast and didn't just stop at saquon barkley and cooper cup you totally could have i mean we put that on a tee for you that was mm-hmm. absolutely a, a, your prerogative at that point. You got what you needed. You could have just Irish exited right there. But if you didn't, if you listen to this entire thing, uh, I think that you got some very useful stuff. I always learn something from Mayonnaise Haze and uh, just always enjoy the conversation with you, my my dear, dear friend. So thank you for the time. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, thank you for for having me on. I know we just kind of you saw the show that I did with Cal, and you were just like, "We need, I need to have you on." And I yeah. was like, "I mean, I'll come on." So that uh, worked out perfect. It it had been too long, anyways. But mm-hmm. you know, it was like, "All right, the, we've we've got a reason here for sure." Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for for having me on and and talking shop. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I had a bunch of other questions I didn't even get to you, but. Uh, so you can find Addison, like I said, I mean, he's all over that DLF YouTube channel. Um, how many of those do you do a week? <laughs> like <laughs> three or four, maybe videos. Okay. In different capacity okay. a week. But yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's, uh, that's, that's just those, the short versions, right? The short, uh, couple minute long well, Quick I do. Hitters. Uh, I mean, some of them, like I do the trade show on Thursday with Russ Fisher, where we talk yeah. about actual trades and stuff. And um, but I try to fill in, you know, the rest of the week with a, a solid 10 or 11, 12 minute video on something like I, I actually just dropped a video on whether you should buy or sell Elijah Mitchell last <laughs> week, um, you know, so which yeah. which was pretty well received because. I took my bias out of it and I talked on both sides on why you should and should not buy Elijah Mitchell um, with what I think was like actual good evidence. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, all that kind of stuff on the DLF YouTube channel. If you're listening to this um, on a DLF family of podcasts, you know, type of feed, you're already in on DLF. And if you don't know, we have a YouTube channel where we have amazing content, not just from me too. I'm not trying to pump myself up. A lot of other amazing DLF people on there as well on a weekly basis yeah yeah but uh spearheaded by my man addison <laughs> just so you know he's he's running that thing and everything else that happens it runs through him quite literally uh i was doing uh super flex super fridays early in the season and part of my hiatus meant that had to go away as well but 
Um, yeah, so much of that was, uh, was mediated by Addison behind the scenes. So yeah, he's, he's, he's the wizard behind the, the curtain, uh, on the DLF YouTube channel. <laughs> so check that out. All of, uh, all of those, uh, those, those quick hitters are just like super useful, super practical. The little and, like, YouTube shorts. Yeah. And it yeah. takes no time at all. And, and I mean, it's always good conversation between you and Russ, but it's kind of like this episode, just kind of meandering and you have to, you know, pick out which stuff you want. And, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, those, those quick hitters, man, that's just like pow right in your face to just take it take that take it you take it and you use it it's like that batman meme where he's like <laughs> slapping robin you know and he's just like mm, take the fantasy content <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you take it you use it you eat it <laughs> that's part of you now mm -hmm. <laughs> all right adam Hayes underscore on twitter and all over that YouTube channel. So let's wrap it up there for the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Rate and review the show, if you would, please. Helps me to get out to more people and uh, just touch on more topics that are useful to you, my super friends. Get at me on Twitter, at Superflex Show. Uh, as Superflex Dude, actually. As Superflex Show is still there, but get at me, as Superflex Dude. I'm million times better checking that one uh this episode was dedicated in loving memory to james the brain Catullus. thank you to dlf for the platform thank you to heart and soul radio for the music and above all else thank you for listening and until next week stay sexy and super flexy Boy, tell me.